again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We are back from South Bend. One of us came home a winner. The other one had his faith shaken. <laughs> Downtrodden. As to, we'll get to uh, Maybe in the pick three, I'll get into my review of Harris Joliet. Um, but in the meantime, we've got a lot to discuss. We've got Notre Dame coming back to win that game against the Hokies. Uh, should the Hokies have fourth quarter regrets? We'll talk about the quarterback situation. We'll preview the Wake Forest game. And we'll end with our predictions for the Wake Forest game, which should be a good one. I think uh, I think this is, uh, you know, much juicier than uh, we initially thought coming into this season. All right, Mike. So uh, Notre Dame wins it twenty to nineteen. Is that right? Twenty-one to twenty. Twenty-one twenty. Okay, <laughs> it was a one-point loss for Tech. Um, I was effusive in my positivity in the post-game column that I wrote, and and part of that is just my. You know, f- the way things have changed in my mind over the past month are, are striking um, from where they were after that Duke game to where they are now in their competitiveness, in their fight, I think is admirable. Now, what were your big takeaways from what we saw on Saturday? I mean, Tech probably had no business being in that game. I mean, you look at the numbers, uh, you know, very lopsided in terms of offense. Uh, you know, Tech kind of was stuck in neutral and. Ian Book, I mean, he had 336 yards passing. And uh, Notre Dame still could only score three touchdowns and one came in the last 29 seconds. A um, couple key plays by the defense. And, you know, you look that fumble right before the end of the half um, and fumble return for a touchdown, 97 yards by Divine Diablo, 98 yards. Um, really kind of turned the game on its head. And, you know, um, the, Justin Fuente talked about they wanted to get it in the last five minutes. And that was all they were kind of focused on, you know, one possession game uh, on the road against the number nine, number 16 team in the country. Um, and they did that. And like you said, they've shown the fight. Um, adversity hasn't been a problem since that Duke game. You know, they've, they've fought back. Um, this game, you know, should have been probably 21-7 to at half, and they made it 14-14. Then took, you know, the lead in the third quarter with a pair of field goals. So um, you continue to like the way – um, I don't disagree with any of that, um, that, that this team has responded um, since that Duke game when you could have easily, easily written them off. Well, one thing I think fans, you know, fans have their problems with Fuente, some of them. Uh, but I think one thing they do like about him, or they should probably like about him, he does not really do the moral victory thing very well. Um, uh, in his first season, when they played Clemson in the ACC title game, I think they were ten and a half point dogs. They had a, you know, opportunity to uh, score a touchdown, and then they were going to go for two to try to win the game. And he was just he he saw a missed opportunity there, and he was just dwelling on that. Not not all the talk that we were trying to bring up of wow, you were really competitive against a very good Clemson team. Uh, you know, the congratulations, you know. And there was really none of that against Notre Dame either. I mean, you know, he, despite everything you just mentioned, the fact that they really probably didn't belong in that game, he knew they could have won that game. And he had regrets about the fact that they didn't. Um, the last drive, I know there's been some talk, you know, people have been saying, look, Bud, Bud took the foot off the gas. You know, he, he stopped pressuring anybody. You know, he didn't. He didn't send enough. I was on the field. It was hard for me to kind of get that aerial view that you get from the press box. What did you think about the final drive and, and how Virginia Tech approached it? Well, they were dropping eight um, in coverage. 
Um, they were worried about Ian Book, ironically, running the ball, which is how he scored the final touchdown. Right. Um, they, they, you know, they converted a fourth and three. They converted what is it? I think fourth it and ten. Fourth and ten, uh, late, and I think a couple third downs too. Um, third and seven. Um, so uh, and the touchdown was on a third down as well. Yeah. It was on a third and goal. Um, so I mean, they had opportunities to get on the field. So you kind of say. Well, the defense worked and it gave them opportunities to win. They just needed to make one more play. Um, you know, my mindset, and it goes back even further to the drive before that with Virginia Tech had. Virginia Tech gets the ball in seven minutes. They get a couple first downs, offside penalty by Notre Dame helps them, but they don't cross midfield, only end up passing on third and nine and Quincy Patterson's sack. I think both kind of things kind of group together mindset-wise. When you're an underdog on the road like that, when you're not supposed to be in the game, um, you know, I think if Notre Dame gets the ball back, you got to be worried about them scoring. Why not be a little more aggressive? Because you have nothing to lose. You probably should have lost this game three times already. You're luckily in it, and you're on the verge of a huge upset. Why not try something um, before it's too late where you have to do that silly special teams? I don't know if you saw that from the field. Yeah, it was lame. Where it was, where it was just sort of like, what are you doing? That's not going to fool anybody. Um why not try something where you have your offense on the field? Or why not try something where you have, you know, blitz, uh, you know, catch them off guard, try to force another turnover? Um, uh, you know, I, I asked Fuente about that last offensive possession on Monday, and he said, well, you know, you look back and there's always going to be a million things we could have done, you know, just a generic answer. It's like, right. well, yeah, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I'm not saying, you know, roast him on a, uh, on a spit for this. You know, it's not it's not that. I just think – when I, I think if, when the co the coaches rewatched that fourth quarter, they probably said we could have probably been more aggressive. Yeah, and I and I'm relying exclusively on memory here, which is a, always a dangerous thing. But the the 2016 victory at Notre Dame, I remember at the end, I was on the field for that as well, and I remember at the end, Tech was getting all sorts of pressure, and I'm not sure how much of it was blitzing and how much of it was just the uh, defensive line that was very talented that season uh, was just getting in there and, and, and causing all sorts of havoc, but I remember there was a bunch of sacks, and I remember that, that I heard a lot of cheering from the Hokie fans that were there uh, every time one of those happened. So, yeah, I mean, I think there, there probably could have been some more um, aggressive – moves there made aggressive calls you know just go all out and try to try yeah because i mean you, the, ultimately they lost anyway <laughs> so, right i mean and they allowed the touchdown so late that they couldn't even get anything they had no chance of getting down the field you know he wanted it to be you know where you get the field goal they had that but i mean they only had 20 seconds less than 20 seconds to get down there um and one of the things defensively they were kind of pointing out uh bud did after the game um and and, and justin did as well was that you know, injuries, they, they were kind of stacking up. Uh, Jermaine Waller had been kicked out for targeting. Um, so their secondary was down. Right. Um, you know, a couple guys got shaken up. You know, Breon Murray, who has barely played the season on defense, made a stop at some point. I mean, he's not supposed to be in there at this point. Um, but um, I still think, you know, I, I don't understand why that doesn't add. You know, that's even more reason why you try to be somewhere aggressive because you've got faces on the goal line now where you're not, you know, Caleb Farley wasn't on that play. Right. Um, uh, you know, you got to get – you can't get yourself boxed in like that because, you know, Notre Dame had four chances inside the 10. And you, you don't want them to get that situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, Bud's made his living putting cornerbacks uh, on an island and, and blitzing and creating, uh, you know, confusion for quarterbacks. 
and I guess he just didn't feel comfortable that <laughs> he could put people on islands. No, you know? he, and, and did, he clearly didn't. Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know, it's risk reward, and uh, he went conservative, and and again, you're, you're right. I mean, that fourth and three play was very nice from the field. It was very nicely designed. A little flip, uh, just enough uh, yardage to get the first down. The fourth and ten was, I think, that big wide receiver open. They yeah, have. And the Claypool. He, he's just really good. Uh, made that one catch on the sideline. Yeah. where it was just incredible. You know, t- t- toe tapped. Uh, and so you know that play, you know maybe doesn't make it, maybe gets made one out of ten times. Yeah. So obviously Notre Dame needed some help, um, and and the officials obviously um, made some questionable calls not on that drive but the previous drive. Right. Um. Um. But I just think yeah, when you you got when you're Virginia Tech at this point in the season, you're on the road. It's it's and the number sixteen team in the country, and they're putting up yards. All I mean, Ian Book was throwing wherever he wanted to in that in that fourth quarter. Right. Um. Yeah, I just think it, yeah, it's a little bit, a little something. And if you mess up, the result would have been the same. Right. Okay, before we get to Tech's quarterbacks, what what was your just overall impression of Notre Dame? That was your first visit there. Uh yeah, the, I mean the view from the press box is probably as pretty as it gets, you know, in terms there's there's some college stadiums that are in cities and in bigger cities that you know you can kind of get the skyline, but with the Golden Dome and the um touchdown Jesus and the um, you know, old brick and everything and the sun eventually came out. It was a pretty dreary day to start, but uh, we had a nice day for football, fall football. Um, it was pretty cool. I didn't get a chance to walk around very much because it was it was really cold, and I'm I didn't bring a winter jacket, so I'm a baby. Um, but it was uh, it was a, it was a good deal. Yeah, it was a, it was a good venue for football. Well, we got there early because you had a TV obligation with yeah. uh, somebody Chicago ABC TV. ABC yeah. South Bend. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I got a chance to walk around. I sat in the library, read a book, uh, the Hesburgh Library, which is the the Touchdown Jesus Library. Um, just, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, once again, I was just very impressed. I mean, it's just so, such a different place than any other place. And there are places I love going to. I mean, I enjoyed my trip to Nebraska. LSU was unreal. Texas A&M was neat in a different kind of way. Uh, you know, so there's been – trips where i've been impressed but notre dame is just there's just something to do and i don't you know, i don't care that much about the history i don't care about paul horning you know i don't i don't care but um you, you just the whole totality of it is pretty neat well and, and divine diablo talked about you know he he was kind of smiling after the game talking about his performance he had the fumble return and he called it a dream come true and 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 that stadium and that moment still means something to fans i mean i don't think it or i mean players i don't think it means as much as it once did but i mean you know uh i think that gets lost in the shovel sh- um shuffle sometimes when um you have these big moments and it was a disappointing loss but for a player like divine diablo that's what you dream about as a kid you know some of these kids you know quincy patterson as we kind of segged to the quarterbacks grew up in chicago so i mean that's you know you couldn't ask for a, a a bigger moment, um, um. So I think still it is it does have some special aura, like you wrote in your column before the game, where that venue um, brings out the, probably the best of college football. Yeah, and you know, to, it's it's on NBC all alone in that in that time slot. You know, that two thirty Eastern right. time slot, and so. You know, if people are giving up on the one o'clock games or the noon games, they're coming over to that. And for Tech to put in a reputable performance, a credible performance, I thought was important. Um, okay, let's talk quarterbacks. You know, we went into the week. You know, Fuente had said on Monday that that Hooker was looking good in practice. He was he was 
feeling pretty good about him being able to play. Then all of a sudden we get to the, the stadium, we find out it's going to be Patterson under center. What's going on with the quarterback situation? Where is Hooker now? Can we trust anything that Fuente said about Hooker this week? I mean, do we know? Well, he didn't even try this week. He said, we'll see. You know, he's like, Hennon will be the starter if he's makes it, he takes all the reps in practice and looks good and has no issues health-wise. Um, yeah, it was kind of frustrating when, you know, you take a coach at sort of face value when, you know, he says well, he's looking good, and then they make Hooker available, and he says, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And you kind of assume um, – you know, you, you you try to do this, and you, you don't want coaches to lie right to your face. Um, and, and Fuente said that's not what he did. He didn't mean to mislead, that he um, came close to starting Hooker, but that he didn't get all the reps he normally does. And with this only being two and a half games into his career, he felt like it, you know, that combined with still kind of come back from the injury, that wasn't fair to start him. And and I get that. He's going to protect his players. Um he said, you know, if he had two and a half years of experience, it might have been a different, you know, uh, uh, cal- decision calculus. Um, that, you know, it, what, if it was an ACC game, would that have been the, ma- the same decision? Because this game um, didn't matter ultimately in the standings. Um, and now you got Wake Forest. Um, he didn't talk about that, but it would have been an interesting kind of scenario because, you know, you want health, you want Hooker healthy for this stretch. That's a good point because he did mention after the game, we've got four games here right in a row, no buys, no nothing. They're all ACC games. They're all huge. Two and, on the road. And, you know, health-wise, the team is banged up. I yeah. mean, you didn't need your quarterback on top of that not being healthy. Um, you know, we don't know how healthy he is, but – you know, it was an opportunity of a lifetime for Patterson. Absolutely. Um, let's talk Patterson's performance and and maybe his his ceiling going forward. Uh, rough. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to to go into a situation like that and succeed. Yeah, you're not going to kill the kid. I mean, look, they struggled. Yeah. Uh, he struggled. The offense struggled. Um, you know, the the good news is he's poised. He's a kid that you know, redshirt freshman hasn't played much. You know, played uh, really all the only significant playing time was two weeks ago in North Carolina comes in 70,000 plus hometown essentially you know he's got his family there his friends um moments not too big for him's not rattled doesn't make any crazy mistakes the interception he had was last second throw well when they were trying to right, you know, yeah. do anything so really didn't make any crazy mistakes there was a fumble really was it but I mean it was a handoff exchange so it wasn't totally his fault um that's the good bad is that he's not ready <laughs> for that moment right. and, um you know they he the, he's kind of got the skill set that, that they want to use to for this offense right now with the mobility and running and try to control the ball Notre Dame said you aren't running a darn thing and stacked the box and prevented him from doing anything that way made him throw and the receivers didn't help Patterson out very much I, I think that should be um pointed out a number of drops um, Fuente was frustrated that they didn't get separation throughout the game. You know, uh, Turner and Hazleton were targeted 20 times. They made seven catches. Turner did have a big 50-yarder in the second half. Hazleton made a couple plays, but a um, lot left on the field. But hard situation for him to be in, so I, I'm not blaming him for struggling. He's only had essentially two weeks of practice where he's been even the number two quarterback. Right. Um Tough situation for him to be in, I think, overall. One thing I think we've learned about him, and we saw it in the spring game, and I think we've seen it here in the two games that he's played, he's not as fast as some – He can't some, cut to the he's outside. He's just so big. Yeah, yeah. He's so big, and he doesn't really turn on 
a turbo booster. Like, you know, even a guy who was really big, like uh, Gerard Evans, uh, you know, he, he had another gear. I don't know that, that Patterson has another gear. He's, he's more of a bruiser. Um, you know, Logan Thomas was a bruiser. And, and maybe this is that's the way he's going to be as a runner, um, which is okay if you're passing the ball great. You know, and, and, and I think, you know, he's got the potential to get there. He's just not there, as you mentioned. He's just not there yet. So, you, I mean, you got to hope if you're a Tech fan that Hooker's in there this week and, and Patterson is getting his time that he needs to just develop and, and get better. And part of that should be on the coaches. I, I mean, you know, they went away from Ryan – uh, four weeks ago, and they probably should have made Quincy the number two quarterback and started giving him some number one reps. Um, I, we don't know exactly how those reps were split up, but Willis came in first in that, that North Carolina game. Clearly, he was the number two quarterback um, on the depth chart. Um, and so uh, they, they should have started getting him a little more ready because he is kind of the – him and Hendon, you know, you want to try to keep both of them in the fold here going forward. Um, and he should have been getting a few more reps. I don't know if that would have helped him on Saturday, but um, – yeah, I, I don't know if it was an ACC game that Fuente would have made the same decision just because it would have mattered more. Yeah. I think you could put Patterson here. And like you said, you know, you win this one. I mean, it sort of just it, it sort of <laughs> makes your season, and it's a nice extra bonus, but it doesn't really uh, advance your interest in the Coastal here. You know, they have it um, the way things have shaken out. Even if they lose this game, they still could win They if they win the last three. I mean, they really need to win, um, beat Pitt and beat Virginia. Um, and so everything's kind of on the line. So, you know, he gave himself some extra time to get Hooker healthy. And I would imagine he starts this weekend. I mean, unless they're unless they're hiding how his, how, how his rehab's going. But, I mean, he didn't look – he went through warm-ups. He dressed. He didn't look like he was, on the, uh, you know, in that second half against North Carolina where he could barely walk. <laughs> um, he was moving. Um, so I would imagine he starts Saturday. But um, – you know, it's hard to trust now what they say with the with the injuries. Well, you cannot, right? You ha- if you don't win all four of these, you cannot guarantee yourself because Virginia would have to lose another game somewhere else. No, right? if they beat Virginia, Duke would have to lose if they Duke, lose to okay, Wake Duke. Forest. Yeah, that's right. Could Virginia beat, yeah. only has two ACC games left. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's crazy. They play Liberty, I think, or somebody. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they've got um, Georgia Tech this week. Yeah. I think. I think, and then they've got Liberty, and then they got the Hope. Yeah. So, but Virginia Tech controls their own destiny. Um, you know, win out, and they're they're good. Uh, I think if they if they lose this weekend, and then Duke loses, they can win their last three and still get the Coastal. Yeah. Um, which says a lot about the Coastal. <laughs> but um, yeah. So everything's in front of them, and uh, but uh, this Wake team looked pretty good over the weekend blowing out nc state you know and i have to admit we're we're taping this a little earlier than we normally do we haven't had i haven't had an opportunity to talk to any players haven't had an opportunity to ask questions about what they're looking at with wake i haven't really looked at wake uh what and i'm sure you're you're gonna look more as the week goes on but your your initial impressions i mean they're what seven and one right they're ranked um what's their latest ranking do we know uh, uh they 20, were 20, 20 something like they 22, were 22 yeah. last week i'm not sure what they are this week but um you know they're getting respect um they've certainly outperformed i think most expectations for them coming into this season uh what do you like about wake what what's what's the hope what do the hokies need to worry about well here? i think the hokies need to be really worried because they, they what wake does is pass the ball well and this secondary uh won't have jermaine waller because that targeting hit in the second half um, secondary 
Um, you know, Caleb Farley's played well. Waller's played well, but they still just give up just an insane amount of yards. Uh, you know, teams just pick their defense apart. And, you know, Jamie Newman, um, uh, you know, really, really good season for Wake. Their quarterback over 2,000 yards, completing 67% of his passes. Uh, he's got two big receivers, uh, Sage Surratt, um, almost 1,000 yards already, nine touchdowns. He's going to cause all sorts of problems for the Hokies. Um, the you know ninth passing offense in the country and their tempo you know this was something uh, Fuente mentioned they're averaging more than 80 plays a game one of the, the the highest tempo highest paced teams in the country right now um and i just think this is not a good that's not a good matchup um for this Hokies team you know they're they're stopping the run lately uh but teams aren't really concerned about it they're just like well okay we'll you know we'll try it we'll give it a kind of um you know, use it a little bit here and there. Cursory look. Yeah, to try to kind of keep you honest. But, I mean, we're really just going to pick your secondary apart. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's a concern. I think I, I don't I don't know that this team matches up well against uh, Wake Forest. Well, the line was one coming in. Uh, it opened at one. Which was shocking two, to me. It was bet up to two and a half fairly quickly. One thing the Hokies will be doing is uh, honoring Bud Foster. We're, we're actually going to wait another week for our special Yeah, we'll, and we'll probably talk about when we get those stories up. We'll probably spend some time on the podcast doing it, but we'll wait until we get our, our content up so we don't spoil it. Yeah, well, we're doing the final – final home game they wanted bud wanted to do the, this game because he didn't want to imp, you know senior day overshadow which is, senior which day. is which is what there's like one senior left <laughs> <laughs> who are they? reggie floyd the reggie floyd terrell smith uh who's injured uh ishmael cise and i'm probably forgetting somebody but uh, no starters other than floyd and not very many what kind of uh, outside of hooker what kind of health uh updates did we get on monday nothing uh silas J- Janzi is probably the biggest concern he was in a boot he hurt his leg um Florida didn't have any updates he said he'd find out monday night which is a way of delaying not telling us <laughs> okay. um so he'd probably be one to watch but that's a spot where you had luke tenuta playing all season kind of alternating so that's good um that they have an experienced guy um yeah, running back wise, Keyshawn King didn't travel for an injury, uh, so they say. Um, so you're not buying that. I'm just saying that's what that's what they said, um, and they said. And uh, Fuente nobody I, says so they say when they mean. So they say. Uh, Fuente said it was a short term deal. He expects him to be back. Uh, running back health has been an issue, um, but defensively, uh, their secondary got a little banged up. Um, I think the guys will be okay, uh, but Waller will be out the first half. Um. Yeah, I just I I think this is the uh, the only the only good news for Virginia Tech is that Wake Forest has like the biggest game of their program's history the next week against Clemson if they can escape. So you kind of say trap game, but Wake Forest hasn't been slowed down. You know, other than giving up and sixty two points to Louisville, they've kind of blown through the rest of the ACC. Um. So I don't know. I it, it, I don't Here, know if um. Virginia Tech's capable of putting up 62 points. Here's my uh, thought on that. I mean, the nouveau rich don't get trapped. You know, th- these guys are, are, are you know, they're not a blue blood program that's going to, you know. They're not overlooking anybody. Overlook a trip to Blacksburg. Yeah. I mean, you know, the inner Sandman and all that. I mean, they'll be plenty motivated. I don't, I don't see that as a problem. You know, when you have a team maybe like Miami or something like that who's – yeah, but that's that you know that's been a rivalry over the years. So I think coming to Blacksburg is ne- I don't think ever people will overlook it. I just don't. But maybe that's because I've lived here for twenty years and I, I you know I think highly of the atmosphere. But I don't think 
I don't think in the ACC like they're like I think the, the, the Wake trip is the trip you overlook, right? Like right. you just think of Wake as Wake, and you don't you don't think well, about this them. Well, this good. this is the first Wake trip to Blacksburg. Maybe you could share your memories of that infamous. I don't think famous does the the game justice. Six three. <laughs> Zero was that zero. In Blacksburg? That yeah. was, I thought that was on the road. No, was it was it? on the road. That was on the road. Well, first time, teams, to... first time the, te- the programs have played since the 0-0 zero, zero end of regulation. Yeah. Was that a beauty? Yeah. The offensive coordinator said they, they, they sent football back to the Stone Age with that game. <laughs> and, of course, you had the famous meme of, of Frank yeah, raising never, his fists. That's never died. Yeah. Is is you know deserves to live on in, in perpetuity. Can you explain why – what – or in the moment that would that was that recognized? I mean, there was no such thing as memes back then, really. Yeah. Oh no, no. When it happened. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, when when he yeah that 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 went viral right away. Did it? Because that's oh, what yeah. four years ago, five years ago, five years yeah, ago. Yeah, it, it was meme memed we immediately, and um, yeah, everyone you know. Uh, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't a good look, but that sum up the state of the program. It did. At that point. It did. Yeah. It, you know, like okay, we're happy to be going in overtime with no points against Wake Forest. Um, I don't remember anything about that game. It wasn't <laughs> memorable at all, except the meme. The meme was great. Well, I think that kind of sounds. I mean, what would you remember in a zero-zero game? And it was. It's. It. I asked Dave Clawson about it at ACC kickoff, and he just sort of shook his head and. Had no stories. He's like, yeah, yeah. Ugh. There's been arguments about whether that was worse or the Rutgers bowl game mm. uh, in Orlando. Uh, yeah, I think you can make a strong case for either one. But <laughs> I, if I had to vote, I'd probably vote the bowl game. <laughs> no memories is, a, is an interesting memory. All right, so pick three. Uh, you start this week. Okay, I'll start with Harris Joliet. <laughs> um, you won some money, and I'm happy oh, for you, and I'm here. proud of you. You happened to show up at the right times and go out to dinner with your, your sister at the right time. Um, I got blasted. I got destroyed. Not I got destroyed on Friday, then came back. Uh, Saturday, we didn't have any time to gamble, uh, so I didn't play anything. On, I was so tired. We got home. I just went to bed. got up early and went back. When they opened at 8, they closed their casino, which is different. But they closed it for two hours, I guess, out of state law. But I went back. I mean, the dealers were great. Pit bosses were fine. The uh, the Diamond Lounge was nice. You know, the floor was clean. Drinks were too expensive. Six fifty for yeah, an Oktoberfest draft was way too much. I good mean, tables in terms of like the people. Yeah, people good, were good, nice, good attitude, with the exception nice. of one dude who showed up. Uh, you had that experience Sunday. I yeah, think, on yeah. Sunday he was uh, just a Mister Negative Nelly. We got met, we met Leon on Friday night. Friday Leon night. was, was a good guy. good fella. Um, what struck me. Other than the just how bad we all were, and I, I include myself, I was terrible in terms of rolling, uh, was how many seven stars players there were, which is the highest level of Caesars. You were uh, jealous. Status. You were jealous. I'm a diamond, which is a level below, and there's a big gap between diamond and seven stars. You have to get a million points, not literally, but a lot of points to bridge that gap. I can't do it, and I haven't been able to do it. I, I have no aspirations to doing it because I'm never even close. But these guys like Leon betting ten bucks, you know, and I got a hundred behind the pass lineup, which was too much. I was betting too much, uh, and that's we were part playing of, craps. You should probably tell yeah, that people. was part of my For problem. All the people, uh, I bet home, too yeah. much. Craps. I didn't slow things down. I didn't go play poker. I didn't do anything I should have done. I didn't even do anything I've taught myself to do. So I deserve everything I got. But well, you dug yourself a hole, right? You know, you you had some bad luck right at the start. You started a fifteen dollar table and literally lost. 
Oh, it was like seven hundred dollars in what? Your bank twenty minutes. Like, yeah, 20 I mean, minutes. it was it was ridiculous. So yeah, but then we won some back, and then we lost. I lost it back, and then so it was it was just it wasn't good. But um, Leon, you know, I I, I want to live like Leon. Leon is betting ten dollars, and he's a seven star, which means he gets a free trip anywhere he wants in the country this year with a five hundred dollar bankroll f- portfolio to you know, use on meals and stuff. What a deal! So. Maybe Leon's you know, secretly betting thousands and thousands of dollars on blackjack or something, but yeah. maybe you play small at craps. I don't know. Um, anyway, my, what's your first one? My one is uh, we'll talk about Harris Julia. This is uh, I got one bone to pick with that. This is my one. Okay. No free toothbrush and toothpaste. What's up with that? Yeah, I noticed you left yours in the in the hotel when you left. Okay, I don't bring. I, don't, I kept I kept the toothpaste. I don't travel with toothbrushes. I think it's gross. Cause you put them in a bag and you journal. I, I just a real, real mental block on that. Okay. And you know, uh, you know, hotels have certain amenities behind the counter. Um, and right. toothbrushes, you know, generally, that's most of the time they're cheap toothbrushes. And we're not talking about, you know, the, the top of the line stuff. You use them once or twice and you throw them away, and that's that's the deal. I don't understand how a casino, which is supposed to treat you, you know, make you feel good. Would not have a toothbrush. I was not feeling good without the toothbrush, so I had to buy a toothbrush for five dollars. So five dollars my winnings. Went five dollars for a toothbrush. Uh, toothbrush and toothpaste was five bucks. Four four eighteen or something. Yeah, like I that. agree with you. That's unacceptable. That's uh, that was my only bone to pick. Otherwise, it was a nice little experience. That uh, yeah, the casino Street. itself was fine. Yeah, um, it was good. The neighborhood around it was a little downtrodden. Low limits, low limits, which was good on yeah, a Friday night. Yeah, no, it was it was it was fine. Uh, everything that happened to me is my own my own fault. Uh, my my second one, I'm struck by how it seems very hard, like be, being in Chicago, to find Chicago style pizza. Like, oh, well, we just weren't in the right spots. Yeah, well, I thought in the airport for sure I'd pass like four of them on my way to the, my gate. I didn't see any. Uh, I saw Uno's Express, which was like the food, That's the pizzas looked gross. Um, so I like Chicago style pizza. You know, when I went to. Everyone else, all the other beat riders, the UVA beat riders, made fun of me down in Charleston this past March because I, I ate at Chicago Pizza like four times in in Charleston, South Carolina, and now here I am in Chicago and I can't find a, well, a, a damn pizza. You you made you made one of your bigger errors on the trip was skipping the Portillos on Friday, and going with the I casino. We should have gone. Yeah. We should have gone out for pizza Friday night or something like that. Yeah, uh, we could have probably right. found it. Uh, we just weren't in the right the right spot. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Je- the uh, show Amazon Prime. Um, um, Jack Ryan is back for a second season. And, uh, you know, it's about the analyst who turns into kind of like a, you know, Harrison Ford played him in a couple of movies and a Tom Clancy, really exciting espionage. And what a snooze the second season. Really? It's eight episodes instead of ten. Um, really generic and really boring. I like John Krasinski, who's the lead, uh, who's who's Jack Ryan now. Uh, from the office, you know, Jim, um, oh, and know. and and just, uh, I mean, I'm in episode six, and they're in Venezuela trying to figure out something, and it's just really terrible. Huh? Well, that's that stinks. Really when, disappointing. Yeah, when you when you put high expectations into something, it stinks. Well, I need help from the listeners on this one. Just um, send me a note. Send me a yes or no on this. I was talking with Leon at the tables about uh, the purge. He says uh, he says he's a big fan. The dealer also says he's a big fan. He said basically it was like the 
the Chris Rock where he says, uh, not the HBO jail special. <laughs> he was like, they show everything, and it's it's really uh, great. And I was like, okay, well maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a shot. I won't do it on the plane as Mike what might uh, might do, but um, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe should I give that show a shot or should I I pass? Let me know. You should definitely watch it exclusively on planes. Um, my last one, Halloween is over. Uh, we got the pumpkins here that we got at the terrible pumpkin patch. Uh, but it's not totally over because we got Luigi's Mansion, which uh, for the Nintendo Switch, the kids got it while I was gone. And apparently my wife, like, let him off the hook this weekend. 12 hours of video games, which wow. is insane. They're almost done with the game, so I missed it in completely. I got to see them play for like an hour last night. Uh, really cute, really fun. Um, a lot of problem-solving skills are required, and um, our son is seven. Uh, ben is just like he's on the ball. He's got it. He's figuring it out. Um, good, I think, game for families. You can play two-player co-op. Um, you know, Nintendo's obviously um, always does has high-quality stuff, and this one is is really fun. Uh, Luigi's in a mansion, and he has to save his friends who are turned into paintings. Scary stuff, but um, yeah, so. That's my third one, so if you got kids, that's a good one to play as a family. It does sound good. All right, let's get to predictions. 42-28 Wake Forest. It's a lot of points. I just, I just can't see. I mean, every time you expect Virginia Tech to do something, they do the opposite, so maybe they come in and lock things down and, and, and send Wake back to the Stone Age, but I just – I'd have a hard time seeing it um, – with that quarterback, the way he's playing and, and the way their receivers are playing um, and the way this tech defense secondary is just sort of not come up with a game plan right now um, where they can stop, stop an opposing team's quarterback. This is a tough one for me, given my uh, previously stated lack of knowledge about Wake, but given what you've said, I'll, I'll take Wake too. Let me, give me, uh, I think tackle – Tackle, muddy it up, keep it close. Uh, that's kind of been their strategy here in some of these games is just try to shorten the game if they can. And um, there'll be plenty of emotion in the stadium. Um, as we've talked about ad nauseum, the home field hasn't been that beneficial for Virginia Tech uh, in recent years, and I don't know that it will be in this case either. So let me go uh, Wake 31, Tech 24. Tech, uh, Tech stays in the game the whole way. Uh, but but comes up a little short, and then you know they're looking at a stretch where they play at Georgia Tech, uh, home against Pitt, and then at Virginia. So there would be must wins. The Should rest be of a the fun way. month. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else we need to hit hit on, or well, maybe next week you could hit on the basketball. You're going out to Clemson today. That's a way to tape early. So uh, next week you can give your impressions of the start of the Mike Young era. Yeah, uh, I would say I'm looking forward to basketball, but. I, I, November usually, is terrible. Yeah, I, tr I turn on the Jets in January for basketball, and and so it's a little strange for me to be because I don't go to like when they play MEAC teams. I just right. I don't. Berman's there, and he takes care of it. I don't want to be misled, you know, into thinking they're better than they are or they're worse than they are right. because they're you know. But when you're going to play an ACC team on the road, that's a decent barometer early in the season where you are. So I'm going to go, um, and I'm not complaining. I mean, it'll be fun to go uh, watch ACC basketball. Uh, I enjoy covering conference games. So my complaints about November basketball have nothing to do with tonight. It's right. all about uh, the fact that they don't play anybody. But they're playing sure. somebody, so I'll be there. Um, all right. Well, that, that'll do it, and we'll, we'll get back together again next week and 
talk about everything. Uh, for Mike Nizola, this is Aaron McFarlane. Thanks for joining us.